Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. My computer broke again, guys. What an exciting way to start the show. Guys. Guys. This is a grievance show. This is, <laughs> this is a crime that occurred in Hollywood. Yeah. Sorry this episode's a little bit late. My computer's in the shop. Yeah, but so we're here. Let's thank the lovely people that contributed to our Patreon this week. This week we had C, Sophie, Diana, Gabrielle, Bliss, Amy, Brittany, Jessica, Victoria, Joseph, Aaliyah, Betty, Jill, Anna, Rebecca, Dennis, Sage, David, Siobhan, Christy, Chase, Hannah, Rachel, Aaron, William, Jeanette, Nicole, Christy, Lauren, Karen, Kirsten, Aura, Melissa, Carrie, Preston, Christina, Victoria, Jeff, Megan, Lindsay, Lisa, Jenny, Samantha, Rose, Casey, Sabrina, Vanessa, and Kara. Wow. They all sound so hot. They all sound really hot. And thank you guys so much. Seriously? Yeah. Like, you help pay for my computer repairs. Yes. I fucking... No, I'm dead serious. Like, you... Thank you. Thank you so much, Thank guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we have the hottest patrons and yeah. the hottest listeners. If you want to join the hot club, <laughs> head on over to, I don't know how to do sales, patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And there's like 108 bonus episodes up now and you get access to them right away. We just did a 30 minute episode about Action Park. Right. And you have to listen to it. It's, uh, I have to, I want to listen to it. I forgot what I said. It's funny. <laughs> I loved it. I think people were really commenting on your reactions of shock to everything I said. They were? Describing the rides. Oh, I saw you read one the comment. comments? I saw some comments on Patreon where they're like, I loved Rachel. Rachel's like utter shock every time Desi mentioned one of the rides. Like, <laughs> it's pretty wild. So yeah, check it out. Um, so this month we're actually going to have sort of a theme month. Yeah. Um, we're going to do all mother-themed shows. And our first episodes, because this will be a two-parter, is on the mother-daughter-run cult, which is known as several different names, including the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven Whoa. or the Great Eleven Cl Club. But it's now more commonly referred to as the Blackburn Cult. They always have a fancy name before we just decide to call them whatever we want, like down the line. So this was a religious movement that was started in Los Angeles during the 1920s and was founded by Mae Blackburn and her daughter, Ruth. In addition to old newspaper articles, the main source for these episodes is a book by Samuel Fort called Cult of the Great Eleven. <laughs> it's also like 1920s metaphysical. Yeah. Uh, do you know this cult? I don't. So I'm oh, really excited. Okay. Well, I have a lot of information. So... 
May Otis was born August 2nd, 1881 in Iowa to Jenny and William Otis. When she was four, her dad had some sort of mishap that had been assumed to be like a railway related um, accident. But because Jenny got remarried to a man, Edgar Holt, at some point, um, no one really knew like why she left the first husband. So they think he might have died in this railway accident. And the reason they think that is because she sued the DC railway company for wrongful death and won, but no details of the case were ever released. So no one really knows officially what happened. Now, although there are no pics of May from her childhood, she was described as being very attractive and had a lot of bows at the age of bows, bows, like hair bows. No, like boyfriends, like bows. Have you never heard that term? No, I have, but I was just picturing her in this, like... She had a lot of bows. (laughs) Well, what year is this? 1881. Yeah, I was picturing her in, like, some Victorian hair I mean, it's quite possible. That is the style back then, because I emulated it. (laughs) That was my thing, bows. I had a bow thing. Wait, you had a bow phase? Uh, When I was very young, like early elementary school yeah because i wanted to be nelly olsen right so well that's not, that's <laughs> back right now that's been back for a couple of years like prairie style like uh, for adults yes oh i, I mean i've seen the prairie dresses i'm like, just saying prairie style in general has been very hot for like two oh, years cool yeah so i'm on trend now um she did get married at the age of 16 to a man named john Wheeland. the newlyweds moved to south dakota and it was a Pretty soon after they moved that the marriage began to fall apart. I mean, not surprising because they're teenagers. Now, May would later say that she left her husband because he was a gambling addict who had become abusive when she refused to give him money to gamble with. When she left him, she was pregnant with her only child, Ruth Angelina, who was born July 25th, 1899. Now, it was after Ruth was born that May claimed she received a letter that John Wheeland had been shot and killed in a mine dispute in California. So now May was a very young widow, and she wanted to live it up a bit, so in 1900, she left baby Ruth with her mom and stepdad in Minnesota after she met a man named Rudolph Schultz. They have a hot and heavy connection and get married July 1st, 1901. One of the witnesses at the nuptials was a woman named Lucy Lamb, who was a clairvoyant and medium. It's speculated that it was through this friendship that May kind of got turned on to the paranormal world and the potential to use people's beliefs to get all of their money. (laughs) Yeah, that's how cults work. Totally. Now, May did not tell her new husband about her daughter. May's mom, stepdad, and daughter eventually moved to the Pacific Northwest, and May begs her husband to move there as well so she could be closer to her mom and what she now called her younger sister. So classic uh, teenage pregnancy move, right? It's right. now your little sister. In 1905, they moved to Portland, Oregon to be closer, and May continues this ruse that Ruth is her younger sister. Later in life, Ruth would never call May her mom or mother. Like she would say, that's my mother, but she would never call her mom. She called her May, even though they were affectionate and loving with each other. They often referred to themselves as sisters, even as when Ruth was an adult, Um, but they were very close and they bonded. This book said this, which made me laugh. They bonded by hating the world together. (laughs) Oh, does he? That's so relatable. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you always bond with people quickly when you hate the same thing (laughs) there is a sick bond that that is forged when you realize that someone even especially if it's someone you don't know that well 
Right. And you realize like you hate the same person. Yeah. Like that feeling is like this euphoria. Like I hate them too. I thought I was the only one. Right. And like, it's always yeah. like for some petty, irrational. Right. It has to be reason. petty because that's why you feel like you couldn't talk about it. Right. Yeah. So now May's husband, Rudolph, was a bit of a simp. Him and May. <laughs> dare you how dare how dare you use the word simp on this podcast how fucking dare you is that a bad word no i'm just tired of of fucking hearing it okay well i'm sorry okay he was i mean uh, perhaps there's another word that's probably outdated but may completely dominated him he worked his ass off as a waiter to pay for her lavish lifestyle in 1906 after years of simping (laughs) he came home to find may in an odd mood she informed her husband that her first husband was actually alive, and because she wasn't widowed, they weren't really married. Rudolph begged May to stay with him, but she said she had no choice but to return to her rightful husband. But was that what was really going on? <laughs> Did John really want her? Was he really even alive? Two years after informing Rudolph about this, John still hadn't returned. <laughs> May was no, still not in a relationship with him again. He was the guy who was shot, right? Yes. Now, the truth is, there's no evidence that he was alive or dead, but May, who the hell knows? You'll see May doing this kind of shit a lot. So in order to like calm Rudolph down, she actually files a complaint uh, saying that John had faked his death to avoid his responsibilities as a husband and dad. He still never showed up, whether that's him ignoring it or him actually being dead, we don't know. And May is eventually granted an official divorce, and she got rid of poor Rudolph. Now... Why would May go through all of this trouble, you might be asking? Well, May had a new boyfriend, and she needed to be unmarried because the new guy was fucking loaded, and in order to keep him interested, marriage needed to be a viable option for him. His name was Fremont Everett, and he was a lumber tycoon. Now, Fremont was also married, something that May was into because she wanted to take all of his money and have none of the hassles of having to deal with a man. Um, But he did sort of want to marry her. That's why she needed to be unmarried, like in his view. But Um, he could get married to her even if he had a wife? No, he wanted, he was like, I'm going to get rid of this wife. Right. But he wanted her to be ready to go when he did this, which he never did, by the way. So she liked getting this money, not having to deal with a man. And she thought when it ended, I have a nice little blackmail opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. May. Now, Everett was, like, as I mentioned, legit obsessed with May. He wrote her love letters promising to leave his wife and marry her. He was such a cuck. He would also write a letter explaining his wealth and assets in great detail to May, according to her wishes. Like, she's like, let me know every single asset. And he just fucking did whatever she wanted. I would definitely put May at this point in the category of diamond level pussy. She was getting men and she does continue to get men to do whatever the fuck she wants. We should really have a master list. <laughs> we need like a, um, a, like a, like a genealogy tree or something. Like, of diamond level pussy Yeah, numbers. like just going through. Yeah. And or like a wiki. I think we had a diamond dick recently too. Oh yeah. Who was that? I can't I remember. Know. Now, The reason I'm bringing up the diamond level pussy is the guy she left five years before, Rudolf Schultz, was still begging her to come back to him. Dude, incredible. (laughs) She was so irritated by his advances, she actually tried to get the marriage annulled. He was so humiliated by this that he retaliated by accusing her of all sorts of bad shit regarding her previous marriages and divorces, and he was demanding that she return all the assets that he paid for. May got the annulment, and Rudolf got jack shit. So May wins once again. 
1912, May's stepfather dies and Jenny and Ruth move to Portland. Jenny quickly remarries to a man named Walter Blackburn, and she also got a new stepson named Ward. Now, May got married again while continuing her affair with Everett to a total loser who had several charges against him for contributing to the delinquency of a minor girl, but he also had money, so May was okay with it. I mean, I can only assume that that's what they used to call some kind of sexual assault. Contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Yeah. That's like you're hanging out with minors and getting them drunk and doing other shit, right? I mean, that's a weird charge to me. That sounds sus. It sounds like a cover up to something worse, probably. Now, May found this guy after reading about a settlement he received after he was severely injured by falling through a hole in the floor at a construction site. Wait, May. her current husband at this point? Yeah. She she read a story about him in the newspaper and then sought him out to marry him because he had just gotten a huge settlement. Amazing. May is crafty. Um, the marriage lasted a year and he was eventually sent to prison, but May was about to have some competition when it came to being Portland's diamond level pussy. And that was her daughter, sister, Ruth, who was quickly being recognized as one of Portland's great beauties. In 1917, she was selected to be the star of a movie called A Nugget in the Rough. <laughs> Look, I looked up what this movie was about, and it's not as good as it sounds. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of like gold gold mine and porn or yeah, something, right? that's what I imagined. She actually plays like a kind of stuffy person in this movie. I mean, the movie isn't like anything, but just the title made me fucking laugh the minute I saw it. Yeah, it sounds horny. So this was the first motion picture ever made in Portland. Ruth played the nugget and was described as a vivacious actor as well as a great beauty, and she got cast in a few more local films. It came to light later, though, that Ruth wasn't cast in these movies based on her looks and acting ability. It was because they were financed by the Starlight Film Company that was owned and operated by her mother, May. Whoa. She, like, got Everett, her rich married boyfriend, to kind of finance this film company, and she, like, did all... She's, like, the ultimate momager, like... Yeah. She did this. Now, the whole point of the Starlight Film Company was to make Ruth a star. These films did not make a ripple at all as far as Ruth's career went. May had pretty much blown most of the money that Everett had given her financing them. And in 1918, May and Ruth decided that they were going to move to Hollywood with financing from her married lover, Fremont Everett. I mean, everyone needs a Fremont Everett in their life. Seriously. Now, in Hollywood, May's master manipulation skills went nowhere, and she was depressed by their lack of immediate success. Ruth got a few extra roles, but earned most of her money as what was called back in the day a taxi dancer as well as an oriental dancer. Now, that's what it was called back then. Obviously, that's an outdated term. A taxi dancer was a dance hall girl who got paid a dime a dance. They were often considered a try-before-you-buy deal. So the men would pay these girls a dime before the real money-earning potential happened after hours. Some girls had no idea that that was part of the deal. Like, they actually thought they were just dancing for a dime, and that often led to some horrifying situations for these women. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Now, an oriental dancer, what that meant was that's kind of like an exotic dancer, basically old school lap dances combined with kind of like belly dancing type moves. The reason it was called that was because um, there was like something about the times where if it was like a foreign dance, then it was more acceptable to kind of be sexy and provocative than if it was just an American dancing. So Ruth Ruth liked this better than taxi dancing because she was sort of the center of attention. It was definitely more of a performance thing. It had like a little bit of a burlesque aspect to it as well. And she would also often do her act, which was kind of like a Salome type themed yeah. act. Um, I'll post a picture of her because I have a picture of her in this costume that she used to do this. So that was like her thing. She loved doing this kind of dancing. In 1918, both women got married again and both got divorced shortly after. (laughs) There's really nothing about those marriages other than that. That they both got married the same year. Yes. They got married the same year to someone I don't even know who it was. And then they were almost immediately divorced. These women love fucking getting married. Right. So now they're divorced. Their lives at this point is mostly Ruth dancing at night and May staying home every day and reading her Bible. 
1922, Ruth meets a man named Arthur Osborne, and at some point she tells him that she and her mother were writing a book that would explain the origins of the universe, how to find man's purpose, and the best part, how to find hidden treasure. According to them, there were hidden mines full of gold, diamond, and precious gems all over the world, including L.A., All you needed was the last measurement of Solomon to find them, which of course they had access to. Ruth explained that the Bible was full of metaphors, but her and her mom were writing a book that explained what the Bible meant. In case you were feeling skeptical that these two women would explain it all, this wasn't what they thought. It was from an angel that was coming into their home every night and dictating the book to them. (laughs) Ruth quits her job at this point dancing to devote all of her time to writing the book, which she and May are convinced will make them rich because they would sell millions of copies. Everyone who owned a Bible would need this book to explain it. (laughs) I like how they think they're the first people to think of this. Sorry, You don't usually hear about... Uh, women cult leaders. No. The way you hear about like an L. Ron Hubbard. Right. It's like a man thing to be like, I'll explain everything to you. (laughs) Like, for sure, like a quality more typical. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely unique. Now, she also informed Arthur that the book wasn't enough, though. They would also need to create a new religion based on the book's teachings, and they needed money to make that happen. Arthur was so smitten, he got a loan from his job to give to Ruth. This loan was worth about $20,000 today. So he gave her this loan that he got from his job with a promise that it would be paid back as soon as the book sales came rolling in. But the due date came around. Not only did millions of sales not happen, the book wasn't even finished. When Arthur's father stepped in and demanded the money be paid back, May contacted his mother, threatening to kill Arthur if the dad continued to pester them for the money. Now, Arthur got fired from his job and was pretty much destitute before joining the army and leaving town. Meanwhile, May and Ruth moved back to Portland where they had more connections to begin their cult. They moved in with May's mom, Jenny, and her stepdad and uh, the stepbrother, Ward A. Blackburn. May began telling everyone who would listen about the spiritual voice who had accompanied her since childhood, a gift that her daughter Ruth now had. These voices were just an accompaniment to their life. Only in LA did they finally start making demands of the women. That was the day a great and powerful angel came to visit them at their home in LA. As the women sat awestruck, he said to them, I am Gabriel and you are the two witnesses God has chosen to announce the end of the world. (laughs) The angel, Rachel, this is very serious religious beliefs. The angel visited them every day after that. He demanded that they not just preach this on the streets, but needed to reach millions. This could only be done by writing a book titled The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel, which he would dictate to them. They created props for this writing process, including tons of bundles of parchment tied together with strings that filled a trunk. These sheets of parchment were filled with metaphysical gibberish, basically. I love that they created props. Like, that is so me at eight. Right. (laughs) Like, I'm doing it. I'm going to make parchment. (laughs) Like, tying it with strings as if it's old documents or something. Right, right. Tudong didn't read. The main tenet of their religion was basically that The witnesses claimed when Adam ate from the tree of life, he fucked up everything, which is why man was no longer able to live forever. But soon man would have the opportunity to reverse this and once again have eternal life. 
It was May and Ruth's job to recruit others to support this mission, and they recruited them by telling people that when you understood the universe, you would not only live forever, but you would be able to discover the lost mines of gold and diamonds. I mean, who could resist that? Right. Uh, Once everyone was on board with understanding the universe, after reading their book, of course, a royal family of the chosen 11 or divine order of the royal arms of the great 11, which would consist of May, Ruth, and nine other women, would reign over earth as queens in marble palaces in Hollywood. <laughs> they would also be granted gold and precious stones that were somewhere buried under Bakersfield. Ooh. Each queen got a harem of 11 kings. <laughs> you gotta, I mean, I'm happy women are finally getting this religious bullshit in their favor. Yay, girl Do you know boss. what I mean? Girl boss. <laughs> we can scam too. <laughs> So all of this is very appealing pitch to people who really wanted quick prosperity and eternal life. Sure. What the hell, right? If you're going to be rich, might as well live longer. Do you age? That's my one problem with eternal life. I'll get that for second episode. Thank you. Will you find out? Because like... (laughs) That is an important aspect. That's important. Do you want to be 400 years old? And look it? Yeah. no. No, thank you. Come on. Um, so the book I read claimed that during this period of the 1920s was a particularly like susceptible period for people to get into these kind of cult and scam type stuff. I feel like we can definitely do some more episodes on the shit that was going down yeah, absolutely. during this period. Um, so yeah, I know LA in particular has a bunch of stuff related to this. Um, so Look, LA has a long history of people buying into cults. Oh, totally. I mean, since the dawn of LA. Yeah. And that this period in the twenties, especially just seemed really like whack. Well, there was kind of like a spiritualism revi- yeah. like happening at the time, like Aleister Crowley oh, was right. popular. And even up into the fifties and sixties, like with that Jack Parsons yeah. and stuff like that. There was like different waves of it. Yeah. So I will definitely get into more of them because I love it. Now, May, May eventually got a core group of followers around 70 to a hundred people and moved them all back to LA in 1925. There were whole families signing up for her cult and they were coming from all over. Her most fervent disciple or disciples was the Rhodes family, which consisted of Martha, William, and their daughter, Willa. They were a respected but feared Portland family, mostly because of a creepy rumor about them regarding the death of their son. They were rumored to have denied him a Christian burial and instead buried him in their front yard in a ritualistic fashion. Then several times afterwards, they would frequently visit him performing ceremonies to resurrect him. Martha had made several claims herself that she was able to raise the dead. When Mary went to Portland to recruit followers, she was enamored with the Rhodes' beautiful daughter, Willa, who I think was like 14 at the time. She elevated her to an honorary position of priestess and queen of the order. She was also declared the symbol of the tree of life, the link between God and man, what May considered the highest title. Now, both Martha and May were also Christian scientists. Martha was more serious about it and May, I think, dabbled into it at some point. But a lot of her teachings attempted to combine science and religion. Science is definitely in quote. <laughs> well, I was going to say, isn't Christian scientists like you don't believe in any modern medicine? Yes. So like the science they're talking about is not what we would con- consider science today it's for sure. It's quotes. like not religious, maybe. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not accurate. It's not science. Yeah. So May is basically full of shit. Like 
she was literally pulling things out of her ass at all times. She's a top tier bullshitter, which is probably a key to being a successful cult leader. Her followers didn't understand a lot of, a lot of what May was teaching, but they had blind faith in her. And her writings were described as a bewildering hodgepodge of mystical, biblical things pieced together with a lot of occult and magic-oriented stuff with some science thrown in to make it seem legit. It also had things like paganism and numerology. So it was just like all over the fucking place. Now, in addition to gaining followers up in Portland, May also gained a new mate. Her stepbrother, Ward Blackburn, (laughs) he was younger than her daughter, Ruth. So May at this time, I think, is like 44, and um, her new husband is 23. Damn, May. Yeah. Ward is a weirdo. I mean, obviously. So he considered himself to be, in quotes, an oriental mystic himself. He greased his hair back. His hair was like dark black, and he greased it back and had like a Fu Manchu-style mustache and wore like long brown coats, like oversized suits that were almost hanging like Ward's a fucking cultural appropriator. Ward. (laughs) Fucking Ward. He was also described as being like, this is my words, a pig. Like he wore the same clothes every day and stunk. He was not very bright and unambitious and, oh yeah, a rumored child molester. (laughs) Dude, Ward sucks ass. Dude, Ward. So... For May, on May's end of things, she actually had a phobia of being touched, and she only allowed Ruth to touch her at this point. So her and Ward weren't even fucking, but in some ways they were a match made in heaven. He was completely subservient to her, and he didn't care about fucking her since he liked them quite much younger. Um, in a way, May also shared this fascination he had with the appeal of young girls. Like her daughter back in the day, now May was obsessed with this young girl, Willa. She was supposedly prone to doing bizarre things because of this fascination. Once she like saw a young girl and mother in like a shop and she went up to the mother and said, can I have your child? What? Like she just asked this mother to have the child and obviously the woman was like freaking out. She also once tried to kidnap a little girl in the front yard of her house before someone like came out with a gun and like scared her off. I have no idea. Like, it's not even like in in an aggressive way. It was just like, why can't I have your child? Right. And May's weird. Now, Ward and May eventually get married in 1924. She takes on the last name Blackburn, which is obviously what her cult will become known as uh, one day. Ruth also fell in love with a younger man that year, 17-year-old Samuel Rizzio. Ruth at the time is 24. Samuel Rizzio had been in prison already at that young age for check forging and was said to have a temper and a violent like personality. They also got married in 1924. Although he put up with Ruth's weird religion, he did find her and her, and her followers to be creepy and kept away as much as possible. Now, May was getting frustrated with her blue-collar followers and was desperate to get more affluent people to join and give her money. She knew she needed a more proper facility and found one in the Wilshire District of L.A. The building quickly became home to cult members, almost like a dorm room environment, and neighbors were like complaining often of the sessions being held all night and the traffic that was coming in and out of the home. Well, that's one thing that L. Ron Hubbard nailed was that he knew he needed the celebrity cachet. Yeah. To draw more people in. Well, it's almost like you need the like lesser rich followers to get things going so you look established in some way maybe. But yeah. But I mean to really grow yourself. Oh, yeah, you need fucking get- money. Yeah, and he, the Scientology, it's like fucking expensive. So at this point, 
the Blackburn Press is also established, and they print May's book finally, which really is more of a thick pamphlet. (laughs) She began selling them, and the media began taking note of the weird phrases inside. One in particular stands out to them, and that's called the Divine Order of the Seven Sacred Dogs. Like, what was that? They couldn't figure it out. They also, in this pamphlet, invent an elaborate backstory about May and Ruth that was pretty much all fictionalized, but there were like small grains of truth that were massively elaborated upon as well. The pamphlets were kind of a bust and widely mocked, but May's followers were still devoted. I mean, they wanted those fucking rewards. (laughs) Who doesn't want those fucking mines full of gold and diamonds? They were now promoting a new book that was being dictated to them by the angel Michael and would be called The Lamb's Book of Life. Another way May strung people along, like in addition to her like hypnotic personality, she was able to spin convincing lies out of thin air, like I mentioned before, that sort of seems typical cult leader to me or even politician. Um, But she would also orchestrate miracles with some con people she knew. One of them was named Chester Burpo. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) But I really have no no story about him, but I had to mention that name. It sucks if your name is Chester Burpo. But isn't there like some kid who said that he went to heaven and his name was Burpo too (laughs) a few years ago? It was like some like spiritual book where it was like, what happens when you go to heaven? (laughs) Sorry. Please don't at me. Uh, and I think his name was Burpo too, because I remember thinking Burpo. <laughs> um, he he did become some kind of radio personality in the '60s and '70s, that I think kind of like an evangelical type deal. But I didn't get too far into looking into that. So this Burpo guy, in- he would help her do cons. Like I didn't right. see what the miracles were, but I, I I assume they're just typical things that con people do. Like, ooh, look, that happens. Like some magical miracle that was just orchestrated. Now, followers would consider leaving, but May would threaten people about what would happen if they left. She said that leaving would lead to consequences that most likely would be fatal, you know, just saying. <laughs> like, right. And so she, low key, like threatening them. And she probably told all these people, like, oh, your ship's about to come in. Yeah. So she kept them like strung along very, like, you know, she definitely made the effort. After just a few months of marriage, Ruth and Sammy's relationship was falling apart. Ruth was queen of the grade 11 and Sammy was just her loser husband. So that was somewhat emasculating, especially considering he was like hardcore Italian and Catholic and he had traditional patriarchal ideas of what a marriage should be like. Uh, And that was just not the role of men in this cult. (laughs) They were there like Ward Blackburn. One of his jobs was to stand outside and count cars that went by. What? That's how she kept him busy. Like he had to monitor cars <laughs> that were going by. Wait, I thought she was married to Ward or was she just like No, that's him? what I'm saying. She was married to Ward. That was his job, Ward's job. But now she's married to this Sammy guy. No, Sammy is Ruth's husband. He's the 17-year-old. Oh, oh, okay, okay, right. okay. But he was, he's like I want more of a masculine He's job. like I don't want to Yeah, he doesn't he's not going to just be there. Like Ward was happy to be subservient. Sammy right. was like not. Now Men in this cult were expected to work and serve the women, and Sammy was just not having it. He also was pretty resistant to cult activities, even trying to get Ruth to leave the cult. She was like, I'm a queen and a witness. Like, fuck off. He eventually threatened to kidnap her and force her to leave, and he struck her during this argument. At this point, May protects her daughter, and she fucking kicks Sammy out of the house and bars him from ever returning. Now, shortly after he was barred from the home in July of 1924, May began giving special attention to one of her followers, Eleanor Sandresky, who happened to be a druggist at a pharmacy. 
This druggist showed up one day at May's request, believing there was to be a special ceremony and one-on-one session with the cult leader. But once she arrived, she quickly realized something was up. Are they going to do ayahuasca? No. This sounds like an ayahuasca no. ceremony is about to happen. No, sadly. Um, May made her swear to secrecy before she told Eleanor what she wanted to tell her. She then told Eleanor that the angel Gabriel had commanded that May kill Sammy Rizzio. Eleanor was confused and convinced she had misheard May, um, but then May added that Gabriel also commanded that Eleanor supply May with poison. She then told Eleanor not to worry about the murder, though, because she would resurrect Sammy after she published her next book, The Great Sixth Seal. (laughs) That's the thing about when you're able to talk to angels. They can just say whatever they want to you. It's not my idea. It's Gabriel's idea. (laughs) Seriously. Now, when Eleanor asked why she couldn't just use rat poison or something, like why did she need me to get involved? May said she needed a poison that could not be detected in a drowned man. Duh. The fuck? I have no idea. Now, Eleanor left feeling scared and confused and began praying that the angel take back his demands. According to so her... So she still believed it yeah, was she the still angel. Be- she's like, please don't demand this of me. According to her, it worked because May stopped pressuring her and in early August, she saw Sammy alive again and walking around the home. She thought the drama was over. But a few weeks later, May requested the poison again, adding it wasn't to kill Sammy, but for a ritual in which she would rid him of the the things that were obstacles to him joining the occult, namely his belief in the Catholic Church. The ceremony would take place on Santa Monica Beach. Sammy would be wearing white robes, performing a whirling dervish on sand that had been sprinkled with the poison while he chanted, I am a dead priest. Sounds like it's going to be really cold. (laughs) May said to Eleanor, so yeah, technically he will die, but only symbolically. She told Eleanor the exact type of untraceable poison the angel wanted to use and added, make sure it's the real thing. God doesn't want substitutes. (laughs) Jesus Christ. She then told Eleanor she would crumble into dust if she ever revealed this request to anyone. Imagine having everyone believe everything you said. Like, how do you not take advantage of that? You have to at least see how far it can go, right? Like, it's crazy. So Eleanor would later say that even though she felt sort of brainwashed by May, this request seemed unreasonable even to her. When she told her husband, he called May a fraud and demanded she go to May and get all of their money back or they would go to the district attorney. Eleanor did and May lost her shit, demanding that Eleanor leave her husband. Eleanor refused, and when she told her husband what had happened, they made a new plan, not to turn her in, but to give her fake poison so she would leave them alone. Another disciple named Mary Stewart came and picked the poison up, which they had just made basically water and food coloring in a bottle, and she also picked up a bottle of chloroform and returned both to May. Now, this is Eleanor's version of events. Uh, and something that she told years later. So it is possible she is just making herself look good. Like, I would never have poisoned anyone. Uh, So no one really knows. There's no way of knowing uh, whether she gave May real poison or not. But what we do know is Sammy was never seen again. Holy shit. So unfortunately for May, the Rizzios went looking for Sammy when he stopped visiting and communicating with them. When they confronted May and Ruth, May told them that Sammy was abusive towards Ruth and felt so guilty he put himself in exile to reflect and meditate on his behavior. (laughs) 
That is such oh, a yeah, that sounds like our Sammy. <laughs> that sounds like Sammy. Now, Sammy's younger brother did not buy that, but he pretended he did and asked for a job as a chauffeur for the cult in order to infiltrate it. He did this for 10 months, and the best he could come up with was finding the suitcase that May said Sammy had left with. The Rizzios threatened to call the police, and in response, May sent the police to them, who supposedly threatened the Rizzios if they didn't keep quiet. <laughs> Now, around this time, May decided she wanted an even more opulent home. She talked to her current landlords, Edna and Fred Vogel, and since Edna was a bit of a follower, she helped May get a large home on Vermont, in the like North Vermont in the Los Feliz area uh, of L.A., May, her mom, Jenny, stepdad, William, and Ward joined her there. It was at this home that almost the first week, a really bizarre event took place shortly after they moved in. May said an angel had instructed her to chain her mother to a bed for 75 days, and Jenny would later say they were the happiest days of her life. But things were about to get even weirder. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In November of 1924, May hit the jackpot when she met Alice and Clifford Dabney. They were both 33 and very wealthy, part of the Dabney Oil Company fortune. He was very intrigued by May's work with her cult, in particular, like getting access to all those diamond and gold mine locations. But that info wouldn't be revealed until May published her book, The Great Six Seal, on February 6, 1925. Now, an important side note about this date. February 6, 1925 was also the date another religious leader named Margaret Rowan predicted the world would end. February 6. Yeah. That's Bob Marley's birthday. Oh, I don't think they knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but was that another interesting thing? Does it make it more spiritual? Maybe. She was quite well known at the time for taking out full page newspaper ads warning about the world's end and kind of created a minor hysteria as a prophetess. May decided to cash in on this hysteria by claiming that the world wasn't ending but being reborn. And it worked to some extent. Like she took out ads as well. And um, she kind of like was sort of piggybacking on this woman's success and sort of notoriety. Um, she was hoping that basically she would look right and, and become as big as Margaret would because she was kind of betting that the world wasn't going to end. Now, back to Clifford Dabney. He made a deal with May that if he helped finance her endeavors in order for her to get the book done, that he would get an advanced copy. She was like, sure. <laughs> and she gave her $5,000. And then he constantly would give her more money when needed, which May always needed more money. Of course. Uh, so now they were waiting for February 6th to come. Okay. In November of 1924, the Rhodes family finally joined May in Los Angeles. William was not really enthusiastic about the move, move, but Martha had been made a queen of the order, so she had no choice but to go. They made their home at the original compound, and soon after their arrival, Grandma Jenny brought Willa a gift of seven puppies named Do Re Mi Fa So La Ti. Aww. 
Other members began resenting Willa for being May's favorite, in particular a woman named Dora Searing, who was of the mind that children should be seen and not heard. So you can imagine these older women being like, fuck this, you know, 15-year-old girl who's getting all these, like, perks and, like, special attention. So this woman did not like considering, like, that Willa was special uh, and Willa kind of bought into her specialness, which made everything more annoying. On Christmas day, 1924, Willa became seriously ill with an ulcerated toothache. Martha and May had that Christian science background and they refused to have her seen by a doctor. So all these anti-medical beliefs at the time were like actually quite common, even outside of Christian science. People like didn't trust doctors as much as maybe they do now. Martha was convinced she could nurse her daughter and correct the wrong belief that was causing this toothache, which is, I guess, like a Christian science thing. Things went downhill quite fast. The pus was building up in the infection. Willa's throat began to constrict and her face was swollen because of the infection. She had like a really high fever and the blood, like the infection was entering the bloodstream. Like she was not fucking well. And this is definitely something that could have been fixed like really fast. At this point, rather than seek medical treatment, Martha decided that Willa's death must have been preordained and there was nothing to do but accept it. Luckily, when May's book was published in February, they would be able to resurrect Willa. She instructed her daughter to not worry about it and Willa accepted her fate. On December 31st, Willa rebounded, but it was short-lived. On New Year's Day, she deteriorated deteriorated rapidly. She called in her mother and father and asked to see Dora Searing as well. She asked her parents if they loved her, and of course they said yes. She then asked Dora if Dora loved her, who she said yes as well. Willa and Dora embraced at that point, and Willa kissed Dora on the cheek and died instantly at that moment. Now, Martha did make a few attempts to resurrect Willa, but they weren't successful, so they had no choice but to wait until February 6th. May had not been there at the time of Willa's death, and she was devastated when she got the news. Other members speculated about what to do with the body, but at that moment, May got word from God. They were to keep the body because Willa would live again and they couldn't risk authority sullying, sullying her body in any way. May did not want other members to know of Willa's passing, however, and they basically weakened at Bernie's her out of the house up to the Vermont house, um, like in a car, sitting in the front seat. May looking. is a pioneer. She is. Now... There, um, May had had slabs of ice put into a small bathroom, and that was where they were going to store Willa's body. They poured salt on the ice around her body and that no one was allowed to touch. May then announced that Willa's puppies would be killed and placed (gasps) around her body to protect her and help her transition into death and then back into life. Well, now she's gone too far. Yes. Now, if you remember, this was something that was in the original pamphlet, this idea about the divine order of the seven sacred dogs. So I feel like she had extra extra like bonus like added like to make it a prophecy seem true because she was like dogs dogs yeah they used chloroform that they had obtained for Rizzio to put the puppies to sleep and then they were placed by Willa's body now Willa's body is eventually moved to a bedroom in the house that they referred to as the sleeping chamber she was made very beautiful uh, so, and the room itself was also made very beautiful so that when she was resurrected, she would be surrounded by fresh flowers and wouldn't be frightened. She was a queen surrounded by roses. 
On January 5th, the residents of the Vermont home became frightened when they noticed the sheriff's department lurking around their home. But they were not there because of Willa. They were there because of um, their friend and their landlord, Edna Vogel, who lived almost like next door. And she's like, it smells like shit yeah. next door. <laughs> but they were panicking because they're like, why are the cops here, basically? But they weren't there for the house. They were there for Edna. They watched from their porch as Fred was dragged to a sheriff's car and Edna was on her porch watching. They would learn days later that Fred had supposedly lost his mind. His his wife had had him committed. Now, a lot of people find this to be a bit of a coincidence and suspect that Fred may have had suspicions about what was going on in Vermont where Maya, um, or I'm sorry, May lived. Are you talking about Vermont Street? Vermont Street, yeah. Vermont not, Avenue. Not, yeah, where the house was. And Edna who was a queen also was very loyal to May and she was protecting May. There were also rumors that there was like an affair and maybe she did it for that reason. But like whatever happened, Fred was put out of the picture and May's secret was safe. Now, February 6th, 1925 finally arrives. The day um, the world was supposed to end or be reborn and the day Clifford was expecting the book to be finished and he would be getting his sneak peek to where all those gold mines were. City prosecutors also decided to start cracking down hard on these prophets of doom, something May and her Order of Eleven had inadvertently dragged themselves into by piggybacking on Margaret Rowan's fame. City prosecutors began questioning where the mother duo had been getting their money. Ruth finally cracked and informed them that they had found the money in a tin box buried in Topanga Canyon. Now, this is a really weird story, and it's once again May making up shit that doesn't necessarily make sense. Also, like we're like, why did she go to this complicated route when it could have been a simple explanation? So a week after Ruth tells the cops this, a box is dug up in Topanga Canyon, <laughs> Canyon that contains love letters from Fremont Everett, as well as $100,000 in securities. May was happily interviewed about the newspapers and about the box. She claimed she buried it there long ago. People speculate she buried it and then made sure it was uncovered, but no one really knows why she did this after the fact. Why do this whole charade and not just give the box to them, the police, when they asked right. her about it? Um, but some people think that she wanted to absolve herself of having this affair with a married man. So if the affair was revealed by through no fault of her own, then she could kind of play this victim in the press. Uh, it's so much work though, but this is like her life. She does all these fucking complicated ruses for no reason, except to always make herself look good, but no one ever buys it. Ruses. Is that what it is? It's ruses. Ruses. I like ruses. You know what? I'm uneducated. Police then, <laughs> <laughs> Police then thought she was blackmailing the millionaire like blackmailing Everett, yeah. but he spoke up denying the affair and the letters, basically making it impossible to charge her with anything. So I just like the idea that these letters come out and she's like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Basically she's like, Oh no, I've been uncovered. It's like someone leaking their sex tape or something. Right. Meanwhile, Margaret Rowan is being charged with fraud and eventually sent to prison, leaving May Blackburn as the premier religious fraud in town. Fabulous. <laughs> Five months after Willa died in, in May of 1925, the cult moves headquarters to Santa Monica. And they still have the body. Yes. They move Willa's preserved corpse with them. And because it was secret, Martha and William were given their own uh, space in the house. May had a secret compartment built onto the compound at the rear of the house that had an old bathtub filled with ice. And Willa's body and her puppies um, would be stored there. The puppies are still They're there, still there. Too. The puppies are still put there. Jesus. William had also 
constructed coffins for Willa and one for the puppies. And those were they, that's how they were transported to Santa Monica. Her new place was not fit for a queen, however. There was no lights, no flowers, and it was very dismal. Other members lived obliviously feet away, feet away from this makeshift tomb, basically. Some wondering why so much ice was always being delivered, but never questioning May, who said it was for baptismal rites. <laughs> she just makes shit up. She was getting 600 pounds of ice a week, by the way. Now, eventually, Martha and William do get their own place nearby. May told the parents that she had received word from God that Willa's body was to be temporarily interred. The parents were devastated that there would not be a resurrection until later, but set about digging a tomb below the floorboards of their bedroom to fit the two coffins. Imagine if your dead daughter was (laughs) right below you. I know. They also made sure, like, this wasn't just burying holes. They had room for um, Willa when she was reanimated to move about if she needed to get up. Um, the body was given lots of access to escape, um, and as well for the parents to check in on her occasionally. Well, that's not very smart if it resurrects and it's an evil <laughs> I know. demon zombie. Seriously. Now, Martha at this point also goes to gather ingredients for embalming using an ancient formula that May gave her, um, and it was said to be how Christ was embalmed. She would diligently embalm her daughter with this formula, but it was only external, like all of her internal organs were like whatever deteriorating um they were not preserved at all they had a ceremonial burning of her and the puppies on february 10th 1926 burial not not burning i'm sorry burial of her and the puppies on february 10th 1926 over a year after she died in this like crypt below their bedroom then for the next few months martha and william slept above the decaying remain of their daughter and her puppies so they've given up on the ice yeah, they basically preserved her with this kind of embalming fluid. May is just stalling for time. <laughs> she is basically stalling time. Now, living in the city was becoming more and more difficult for May and her now over 100 disciples. She was once again deciding that it was time for a move and began plans for a compound in Simi Valley where they could escape the scrutiny, scrutiny of haters and the law. Haters. Haters. She had a lot of haters. That's where I'm going to end this week, and we'll get to the next chapters. <laughs> I cannot wait. We'll get to the Simi Valley compound, and there's oh some more God. insane deaths, too, Love and a it. trial. Wow. <laughs> Desi. <laughs> I've never even heard of this woman before. Oh, really? Yeah. Where did I... I think I, I saw it somewhere, and it just stuck in my mind, this weird cult. And then when I was thinking of Mother Day things, I was like, oh, I should do that mother-daughter cult. <laughs> Because they're just like a peripheral like cult story. They're not like yeah. one of the big ones. But right. it, when I started reading about it, there were so many crazy details. Like how are there not like a hundred books about this bitch? I don't know. Like that was what was so shocking. Like there are a ton of like articles. Like there was like a Gizmodo article, but it kind of just hit the major points. And I've only gotten to one of the crazy stories, like the Willa thing. Right. Here. But there's like several other where it's like, here's 10 crazy things you've never heard about like this cult or whatever. Right. So it's like, there's like way more insane shit. Um, but yeah, it's but crazy. Someone should make a movie about her. Yeah. I really don't know why there isn't more about her. Um, but if you want to get more in depth to that period, the book is pretty detailed. Yeah. I skipped a ton of chapters right. where they just get into that whole world of metaphysical, like the 1920s religious kind of stuff that was yeah. going on. But yeah, so there's like a lot more. I was like, really oh. like, where do I end it? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> Simi Valley seems like a good point. 
Yeah, because they're setting up this whole new compound. Cool. I'm excited Uh, to hear about it. Yeah, I'm going to post pictures. I have a lot of good pictures. And since no one knows who they are, you'll probably want to see what May looks like. Right. And Ruth in her Salome costume and all of the playas. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.